Oh, hell, do you read me? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. What's up, everybody? You're listening to a brand new episode of the All Things Dave podcast, and I'm your host, Phantom Dark Dave. Today, we're going to talk about our favorite episodes of one of my favorite sci-fi shows of all time, and that's The Twilight Zone. And making his debut on the show, he's my buddy, Renee. What's up, Renee? Hey, how's it going, man? It's good, man. You know, we've been talking about doing this for a while. (laughs) Yes, we have. I think, uh, so the reality is, usually I don't bring somebody on the show who hasn't done uh, like an introduction episode, but I was like, you know, let's go ahead, let's get Renee on the show. One, because I really want to talk about Twilight Zone. Two, it's hard to find somebody else that likes the original Twilight Zone. And three, I was like, we can just introduce you on this episode, and we need to be clear right in the beginning, this episode is about the original series only. I'm good with that. Yeah, and... Not saying the other ones aren't good, but we connected over this 1950s Rod Sterling stuff, and so... It's the best one. It's understandable. It's It's where it all started. And, you know, if this episode does really good, maybe we'll do future episodes on the other series, but you got to start here. And, like I said, this is one of my favorite shows ever, so... Sorry, it is one of the, in my opinion, one of the best sci-fi movies, or, sorry, shows that have been out ever, so... It's also a good movie, though. You, and I've never seen the movie. you never seen it? It came out in like 83, I think. Yeah, so it's an it 80s did. movie, which makes it really good, too. So, Renee, before we dive in, let's talk about you for a minute, my man. We get along. We're cool and everything. But it's because you like the two coolest genres out there, <laughs> horror and science fiction. When did you fall in love with the genres? A little funny story with the, uh, the horror. The first that I remember watching, the first horror movie, was Chucky. Okay. And, uh, Which one? Like Child's Play 1? Child, Child's Play, yes. Excuse me. Child's oh, you know, Play. I'm a crew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, uh, I was watching it with my my brother, a couple of my cousins, and my aunt. And we were all uh, watching it in my parents' room. And I was playing with a stapler. Something and, you should uh, always yeah, be doing. Yeah, something you should yeah. always be doing. <laughs> and I uh, stapled myself. And that's one of the... You stapled yourself yeah, to I yourself? <laughs> no. Or you just I shot just a... sta- I stapled the uh, thing on my finger, which was crazy. Do you know when I was in second grade, I stapled my finger to the wall? <laughs> yeah, the teacher, like, she gave me a stapler and told me to hang my picture up. And I never used a stapler before. And I literally just put my hand on the wall, stapled, and like, ah, <laughs> you know, it hurts. So I get oh, your yeah, pain. no, it does. it does. So let's see, second grade, I was probably 
let's see, do the math. How old are you in second grade? Like, Ten I have no idea. Or Nine? No, that's elementary that's like school. Third grade, isn't yeah, it? I don't. Shit, it was a long time ago, man. But all right, we won't spend time thinking about how old we were <laughs> at certain times. You love Twilight Zone. I love Twilight Zone. You've been watching this stuff a long time, right? Yes, yes. A lot of the times I woke up, my dad was in the kitchen watching TV, and one of the episodes happened to be in Twilight Zone. So you owe it to him. He got you into this stuff because he had Pretty it much, yeah. like regularly on the TV that allowed you to watch it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your dad likes Twilight Zone? Yeah, he liked Twilight Zone. That's pretty fucking cool. You know what my dad likes? Leaving me, that motherfucker. <laughs> but that's another story, bro. <laughs> that's another story, yeah. That's another for story sure. for another... That could be its own Twilight Zone episode. I woke up and he was gone and I was like... Doo, 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 doo. I'm like, where'd he go? I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. If Rod Sonning was my dad, that'd be amazing. I wonder why I wear a suit and smoke a cigarette, you know? <laughs> I don't know why I had to sound like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I mean, uh, he would be looking like, slick with that even suit, Even the hell I get no respect... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, pretty man. Pretty good impression. I'm just Thanks. It's one of the only ones I can do. But um, <laughs> let's get down to it. So cool. You love horror. You love sci-fi. You love Twilight Zone. People are here because they want to hear our favorite episodes. Let's start with your honorable mention. What almost makes your list? I know you uh, didn't care if we did the like one episode for every season, but I went ahead and did that. Yep. You're um, methodical. That's cool. <laughs> So in season four, happened to be not one of the greatest seasons, but they, they were good episodes. Sure. And uh, my honorable mention, it's uh, season four, episode three, Valley of the Shadow. There's a reporter that's trying to go to New York. He stops in a town, like in the middle of nowhere, and he stops to get gas and some food. And his dog that's with him jumps out and starts playing with the little girl and the little girl gets not afraid but she i guess annoyed okay. with the dog so she makes him disappear <laughs> like and he notices that okay and he's trying to figure out what happened so the father of the little girl comes out you know talks to him he probably just ran away tells him so the guy just walks away walks back to the uh, gas station and the dad brings back the dog and you don't know what exactly is going on, so and he doesn't either, obviously. So he gets the dog back. They, he's about to leave, but then he's feeling hungry, so he just goes to one of the restaurants. And uh, that's when everything starts going crazy, because... Because if it wasn't already crazy. Yeah. You can spoil it. I mean, this is fucking... Tell me about it, bro. Like, why does this episode make your honorable mention? What keeps it off the top five? So he when he finds out something's wrong, mm-hmm. and... Uh, he goes to like the mayor and talks to him, and not the police, huh? Not okay. the police. Yeah, okay, they, they really sense. don't have any police there. The guy pretty much finds out that they have this machine that can do anything, like cure cancer. Oh, okay. Make weapons, and one of the reasons, like he talks to the, the mayor, why aren't you letting the people know about this? And he, the reason is, it's because well, we're human, so. You know, the first thing that's gonna we're gonna do is make weapons, and that's what he tells the reporter. And he's like, no, we're gonna do it to you kill people, you know, give people money, blah blah blah. But uh, it ends up not happening. Like he he was about to like he finds out he's gonna tell the people in New York, but uh, they make a wall come up out of nowhere, 
and he crashes. So <laughs> he uh, goes back, and they pretty much kidnap him in a way. And the lady in the hotel tries to talk to him about it, like, "You need to not right, don't say nothing." Yeah, you need to not say anything because it's 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 it is an issue because I guess they've had people sure. come through, and uh, he when he finds out, he does that, he leaves. And then he tries to come up with a plan to escape with the machine. And the chick that was with him earlier helps him with the plan. So he's escaping, but he made a weapon Mm. with the machine so he can leave and escape with the machine. And, uh, yeah, that's that's one of the things that the dude was saying, right? That That was going to happen. Exactly. That's what makes it a Twilight Zone episode, because he came uh, back full room. Yeah, so he pretty much, that guy, the mayor, pretty much killed him because of that. Oh, he didn't make it. Yeah. Okay. So, the biggest thing about season four is, for the longest time, before I had Paramount+, Plus, I didn't own Twilight Zone on disc or anything like that. I need to get it on Laserdisc. (laughs) That's going to happen. But, uh, man... When it was on, I think Hulu, they only had seasons one, two, three, and five. And yeah. I didn't notice it right away because it was just so much Twilight Zone to watch. I was cool with it. But then it dawned on me, and the difference is all of season four, the episodes are almost an hour long, where yeah. seasons one, two, three, and five are more like 25 minutes. So because of that example right there, I've never seen that episode, dude, before. I as long as I've dove minutes. into like one or two, right? <laughs> one or two <laughs> season four episodes, but. It's something I need to do being a big fan of Twilight Zone, but damn, man. I could watch an hour episode, or I could watch two of the other episodes. Yeah, it's, it is a... Uh, does it feel really long watch. when you watch that one, or does it do okay? They all, like, have their moments. They felt, yeah. Because yeah, a lot of parts, like... It makes me wonder if they were, drag, like, originally so. shorter stories, and they were dragged out for the length of time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, they were, all the episodes were were good. They weren't great like every other episode. But they were good. Uh, but that one's made my list because, uh, like, what would you do in that situation? Right. Like, if you knew that there was a machine that could that make could anything, do anything, yeah. Would you? I'd get more Twilight on a laser disc. <laughs> make this for me real quick. Exactly. Like, yeah. what would? <laughs> nah, bro. That'd be a secret that you can't keep. I mean, that's yeah. the but, world needs help, so help the world. But I get it. You like know. where I don't think we would be ready for it. even now. Oh. Like for sure, it'd be cool to cure the diseases though. I'll be honest. No, yeah, and for sure. Hunger and stuff, do it. But that's a good honorable mention, man. That's maybe I'll watch it. Maybe it is a lot. Like I said, as long as it took me to explain that, <laughs> you're like I really told you everything that was in it. That's all that happened. I mean, I missed the stuff here and there, but it was pretty much exactly what happened. Yeah, you like it enough to make it your honorable mention. So yeah, it was good. Let me tell you about my honorable mention, man. You like Saw? Yes. You ever seen Cube? Yes, of course. Good movie. Mix those with Toy Story and you got my honorable mention because it's about a group of people who wake up in a room with no memory of who they are, where they are, or how they got there. It's from Season 3, Episode 14. It's Five Characters in Search of an Exit. You remember that episode? (laughs) I really like... I remember when I watched... See, I thought that was Episode 1 for some reason. I mean, but, uh, could be, but no. So yeah, it was great. that was one of the first episodes I ever watched because I remember going through and I didn't know where to start. I'd probably seen the first episode because you always start with the first, but a lot of times I would look through because these episodes aren't connected. You can watch any one that you want, 
and I remember reading the synopsis for it, and it was like the basic premise that any modern horror movie lover is familiar with. People wake up in a room, you know, uh, they're trying to figure out why they're there. There are like accusations everywhere. You must know something or whatever, and it become, becomes this big internal conflict, and that really got me interested in it. So I watched it, and dude. I'll be honest, it was really hard to not put it in my top five list because I've seen this particular episode so many freaking times. You have an army major, you have a hobo, you have a ballet dancer, a bagpiper, and a clown. And, like, they're all completely different. The army major wakes up, and he's the last one to be in there. And they're in this room, but it's like a cylinder room. It's really weird. There's no doors, there's no windows, but you, there's no roof. So they're surrounded. They're like standing in a fucking like paper towel thing. You know what I'm saying? Like the roll. <laughs> they can look up and they see the sky, but they don't know where they're at. So we're watching it pretty just open-minded. Like, what is this? But we know it's Twilight Zone, so there's going to be something to it. And so throughout the 25 minutes of the episode, they spend time trying to figure out how to get out. And the Army Major is so gung-ho about it because everybody else has given up hope of getting out. They're just like, we've tried everything. There's no way out. Yeah. But the Army Major, like, I don't know if it's his military experience or just his desire to get out, but he comes up with a whole bunch of really cool ideas and eventually... One of them works, man. He escapes, and there's this dialogue in the episode where they're talking about what if it's better to be in here? And I'm like, man, there's something to this. Like, who knows? What's on, what if it's it's like the grass is greener on the other side? Yeah. Well, yeah. they stand on each other's shoulders. They try to get out. They tie their clothes together. Use it as like a what's the word? Like a was Batman use like a battering or something? <laughs> battering. And they're trying to get up and over. And the army major like. Uh, was the army major? I can't remember which one. One of them makes it over the top. I think it was. It was a major, yeah. It was army major. And then when he falls over, all of a sudden, we see a toy soldier crash in the snow. And I'm like, what's happening? Like, oh, this is going to be a cool segue. No, bro. It's revealed. They're toys. (laughs) This is Toy Story. 40-something years before Toy Story. These characters, the reason they're all different and kind of like... It's so weird to think of an army major, like a ballet dancer, a clown, like bagpiper. Like, what are we talking about? Like, they're toys. So no wonder they're so obscure that way. So random, yeah. And this whole time they're trapped inside the cylinder room is they're in this barrel because it's like a goodwill thing. And throughout the episode, there's like this long dong, dong. Like, they hear something. They don't know what it is, but it causes vibrations. And the reality is, it's somebody out there who's doing the what is it called when they stand outside a Walmart? It's like the Goodwill, yeah, the good uh, the Salvation Army. Yeah, that's Salvation what it is. Army, yeah, it's yeah, a lady right. who's or they're ringing the bell, and that's what they're hearing all the time. And a little kid picks up the toy soldier, and the lady's like, "Put that back in the barrel. Is it for the kids?" And it just it blew my mind. I remember jumping off my couch like, <laughs> "What?" And it just that's a story that stays with you forever. That was a, that was a really good episode. Uh, that was and really that's, good episode. honestly. I feel like that's a really good one to recommend to people who maybe have never watched Twilight Zone. Like, if you like this, you're in. If you don't, you suck. But <laughs> if you like it, you're in. So it's the first Toy Story. So if that tells you what my honorable mention is, well, the episode is so good that I know you guys can't wait to hear about the top five. But I'm not next. Renee's next. Renee, it's time to get into the thick of things, man. What do you got for number five? See, my number five is uh, from season two, episode 29, The Obsolete Man. Burgess Meredith. He was in four episodes of Twilight, and this is... Twilight Zone, careful. Twilight we don't Zone. want vampire fans. I apologize. Fans. There you go. I yeah. apologize, everybody. All right, four episodes. But he was in four episodes. He was one of the two actors that have uh, made more than one, more than you know a couple... Okay. You know. But it you was, chose it, Obsolete Man. It was fantastic. So, I mean, they were all good. They were all good. But uh, 
with the uh, with with this one, I liked it. It was great. It was fantastic. Because in, in a futuristic society ran by the state. Whoever um, the state is. Yeah, whoever that is. They yeah. never really specify who it is, to be honest, in the episode. But uh, an old man, which is Burgess Meredith, he, he's uh, a librarian. Shout out to you, Evan. The last <laughs> librarian. And he is the, exactly the last librarian. And uh, he's in trial because he's the last you know he's obsolete there's no reason for him to be right doing if, what he's doing if i'm remembering correctly they did away with all books right yes and so they're like no books <laughs> no need for a librarian yeah, yeah yeah so uh they pretty much put they put him on trial and they said you're gonna die you just let us know when you want to die <laughs> pretty much choose your death how you want to die within 48 hours so he pretty quickly finds out what he how he wants to die he wants that I buy Hitman. So he goes to his room and he asks the uh, the uh, chancellor, and they pretty much converse. Like, why is this the reason? There, I shouldn't be dying, but fucking, you know, whatever. And he doesn't really argue with the guy. He just talks to him, and uh, he twists it on the guy because the, he, the chancellor, wanted him to pretty much beg for his life, which right. he, he wouldn't get. Because a lot of people yeah. probably do. Yeah, he yeah. exactly, and. Uh, in the long run, he was he was chill. He was ready. He was ready. He's like, whatever, I'm ready. But uh, the reason why he invited the chancellor was to scare him, and, <laughs> and he boy did he. <laughs> he uh, he locked the door. He was able to lock the door. So he the, traps the chancellor yeah, in so his room. So he traps the okay. chancellor in the room, and. Uh, Got those rape vibes. <laughs> like, oh, so no, yeah, the, the chancellor wasn't able to leave, and he did the exact opposite of what Burgess was doing. They trade places, basically. Yeah, and uh, finally, he just lets him leave after thirty minutes, I believe it was, something like that. And uh, Burgess Meredith dies, and the chancellor goes back to his courtroom. Turns out he's obsolete now. Because uh, he did exactly what you're not supposed to do. Yeah, he was scared, right? Yeah, for he was life. scared for his life. He was begging. Also, like, you know, they didn't believe in God or something. It's something like that, I think it was. And he begged God for, you know, hey, th- please, God, let me leave. And, yeah, so that that's... That's a cool episode. It was a great episode. Yeah, Burgess Meredith can do no wrong, and he performed that one so well. That one, and time enough at last was so good there was a handful of really good yeah, ones there was a there was another episode in season four where he plays the devil which it was, it was oh a good episode. i haven't seen it because season four and he was <laughs> yeah. in the the one where he's really strong too that was a good one that was but hilarious that was that's that's a really bold number five that's a great fucking episode dude but uh all right cool well, what's your number five sir let's dive into this shindig my number five it's the first twilight zone episode to feature William Shatner. You guys know I love Star Trek. I love me some Captain Kirk, but I also love William Shatner and everything he does. And my number five is from season two, episode seven. It's Nick of Time. This is one that really grew on me. So a lot of times, Julie and I like to kick back at night. We call it retire. We'll be like in the living room. We'll play video games. We'll do whatever. You know, we work all day. We come home. We eat dinner. We chill. But eventually, her and I, we like to go to bed early and spend more time in bed just chilling, right? Yeah. We'll throw on some Twilight Zone. We'll, we'll hop on our phones or tablets and play some games. But we'll just hang out, be in each other's company. And I've discovered over time that original Twilight Zone and original Star Trek are great 
like background TV shows because <laughs> you'll like get to watch your favorite parts of it, and then you can also tune out and play your games or whatever you're doing. Yeah. But man, there's like a handful of episodes that became in rotation. Like, because we were actively playing on our phones and tablets, we didn't want to put on episodes that we hadn't seen because we'd miss stuff. Yeah. When the yeah, point is sure. to have something in the background we loved. So the point is, is we watched Nick of Time a lot, and it became one of my favorites. And so, as I mentioned before, this episode has William Shatner. He plays a guy who's a newlywed named Don Carter, and he and his wife, their car breaks down. And yeah. they need a new fuel yeah. pump, and then the guy at the garage is like, it'll take about four hours because there's no fuel pumps. i got to go across town and get one. And then, of course, they're like, all right, well, they go across the street, and they find this little diner. And they have a sit-down, and I don't know what's this thing here, okay? But they sit down. I've never seen anything like it, <laughs> but it's a fortune-telling machine, but it looks like a napkin holder, but it's called the Mystic Seer. Like, I'm getting some big vibes. You know, Tom Hanks big? That little- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. And... We realize right away that William Shatner's character plays a superstitious man for many things. And I think that plays on the episode heavily because what happens is, first off, this is a penny machine. Like, my goodness, when things were that cheap, I'm just saying. (laughs) But he's up for promotion. He's like, am I going to get the promotion? You know, is my car going to be ready soon? He's asking questions, but he's getting the best answer you could get without it being heavily specific, where it's not like, Yes, Don, you're getting the job, but it's like, maybe, answer the phone. It's just simple shit like that, and then the phone will ring. Like, that doesn't happen in the episode, but that's an example of how close it is. And throughout the episode, he gets, like, more obsessive about it. And that's what I love, is William Shatner's able to be newlywed husband. He's nice with her, but then he flips a switch, and I relate it to what it must be like for like a compulsive gambler who can't stop. Yeah. That's what I get out of it. And his performance is fantastic. And I didn't write down the lady's name who played his wife, but she's equally fantastic because she she gets terrified because she sees a side of him that either maybe she's seen before and she was hoping wouldn't come back or she's never seen before and she's scared. We'll go with that. But she's losing her husband to this thing, right? Because he can't stop. And it gets to a point where it predicts that he's getting the promotion. It tells him that the car's going to be ready at like three yeah. And then there's a scene where it's like, will we be okay or something? And it's like, if you don't leave too soon. And they leave, and they almost get hit by a car in the street. Because that happens, they're like, huh, maybe it's right. Maybe this thing is telling the future. And she's like, but I don't want it to do that no more. Like, I don't want to know. And he's like, I have to know. So they go back to the diner because their car's not ready yet. And he just gets more obsessively, just obsessed with it. I say that word too much, obsessively. But the dude is, like, losing his shit. She's like, I can tell I have to be the frugal one because he's just like, penny, penny, penny. Also, side note, (laughs) they sit down at this diner, and they're hungry, right? If you're so hungry, how you going to get, like, a tomato on rye (laughs) with an iced coffee? Because the the cook offers a chicken fried steak, and he's like, nah. And I'll let you guys know right now, this is really funny. He turned down that chicken fried steak, right? But he still had the iced coffee and the sandwich. Seven years later, when he got the role as Captain Kirk, there's an episode of Star Trek Season 2, Trouble at Tribbles. He has chicken sandwich and iced coffee. Mic drop. He upgraded, bitch. That's right. <laughs> but, no, I love this episode because of the performance base, and it's a real cool story because the way it all wraps up at the end is she doesn't know if she's going to be able to get him away from this machine until she almost has to put their relationship on the line. She's crying. She gets up and leaves, and he realizes it, which is good. And he hugs her, and he's like, I'm a jerk. Let's go. 
and they leave. And what's really cool is when they walk out the door, another couple walks <laughs> in, yeah. and they and That's you right. can tell they've been to this diner before because the guy looks over. And he sees the machine, and the wife who, or whoever he's with, I assume it's his wife, yeah, it's his is wife. It's his equal is like just worried, just like the other guy's wife was. They sit down, and he's like, "Will we ever get out of this town?" And I think it leads us to believe that if they had stayed, if Don had been obsessed with the machine any further, he would have stayed in the town to always know what his future was, even though his future was doom. And just it paints such a lovely picture having one of my favorite actors though just solidified it as my number five so I'm glad you like it but yeah, it was a good I think it's just a freaking awesome episode but to be fair all the episodes seasons one two three and then five they were fantastic every episode what Renee is saying he's mad that he had to only pick five <laughs> yeah to be honest yeah like why didn't you invite me for a top 20 bro I'm just saying but that been a long one cool man well let's dive in what do you got for number four my number four is uh, almost a tribute to you in a way, but it is an episode that I really loved. It's season two, episode thirty-seven, "Changing of the Guard." I can't wait to hear why this is a tribute. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, like it's uh, it's about a professor. He was forced to retire. I don't um, like where this is going. <laughs> Keep going. Podcast is not ending. And it was during Christmas, so that that's made it even worse. And uh, he's not feeling it, so he's not feeling too good. So he contemplates suicide because he's he's like, oh, I don't know if I taught my students well or if they even learned from me. So he uh, that's kind of deep. Just walks out of his house and this uh, walks to like I guess the uh, the statue for the the school. Yeah. And then he he's about to do that. But uh, he hears the bell of the school, so he he's wondering like it's night, so yeah, there's yeah. nobody at the school. And there, isn't there snow outside? In there? Oh, yeah, it's oh yeah, it's snowing. Yeah, so, so beautiful. Okay, Christmas. I'm like oh, trying yeah, to remember this episode. A really great scene too. Okay, because the statue there was snow all around. Christmas it. Carol, it is not, but <laughs> yeah, not for sure. <laughs> but uh, so he goes to the school, and he goes to his classroom. You know, I guess. I mean, he's to, about to yeah, leave that so place, so it's nostalgic. Yeah. yeah, last look, maybe. And uh, then out of nowhere, random students appear. And uh, he finds out, or they mention their names. And mm-hmm. each one of the students lets him know that they learned from him, gained courage from his the, everything that he teached. It's, it's fantastic. It was a great story. Yeah. And uh, well, he decides, like, yeah, I'm not going to do it anymore. It's. I know that I now I know that I did such a great job with these kids that uh, I'll leave them in good hands. Yeah. And uh, the professor is uh, one of the why I'm. Okay. Yeah, I was hoping that was it. I was like, <laughs> so it's it's. Uh, I don't like where this is going. Please Donald be pleasant. Yes. Is the, uh, is the professor Doctor Loomis from Halloween? Yes, sir. Which, uh, like I said, it's. Wait, you said he was going to commit suicide, right? Yeah. Did, yeah. How was he going to do it? I don't remember. Did he, they... he had a gun? He had a gun in his. <laughs> do you a, think he uh, would have shot himself six times? But it is a very great episode, and uh, I remember it, and I've only seen it once. But hearing you talk about it, I'm like, I need to give that a rewatch because. As you're going to find out about a lot of my episodes, I just love a good story. Oh, and, yeah. Man, Christmas, Donald Pleasance, 
good and stuff. you couldn't even really tell that it was him. That's how good the makeup was. It was like God, twenty years before tell. Halloween, so that's what's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah you're like who? But Donald Pleasance did a lot of a lot of stuff before the man. He was in a James Bond movie. Did you know that? Yep. He was like the fourth movie. Yeah, he thinking. he played a. Uh, it's the one that with the patch, with the, right? Yeah. The one that was no, he before? had the scar. Oh, was it a scar? Yeah. Well, the one that uh, was a uh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers yeah. character. Yeah. Doctor Evil. I, you know what's crazy is I've only seen the first three James Bond movies, and I've never seen any other ones. So the Daniel Craig ones are pretty good. Yeah, it's if you really like action, though. I'm not a big yeah. action guy, but eh, you know. I may not want to die not seeing all the James Bonds, so one day I might watch them. <laughs> That's but. right. I haven't seen all of uh, who is it? Uh, not Roger Moore, but the one after Roger Moore. Again, I haven't seen. So, oh, well, <laughs> what are you, Pierce Brosnan? No, there was there was somebody else. Was there a Dalton? Yeah, there? that one. That that one. Yeah, he was only in a couple, right? He was in two, I believe. Okay, cool. You got anything else to say about your number four, or is that it? That was it. That was it, yeah. yeah. That's a good episode, man. It is a really Well, Donald Pleasant's love, you gotta love it. Let me tell you about my number four. It's obvious that um, I like to talk because I have a podcast, right? (laughs) But I can't hold a candle to Mr. Somerset Frisbee because my number four is from (laughs) season three, episode 30. It's Hocus Pocus and Frisbee. Let me set the scene. So it's a story about, it's a small town, and there's a convenience store, a little general store, and this guy owns it, and he spends all his days telling tall tales. And I'm talking about stuff that you couldn't even fathom. I mean, this guy was everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Oh, yeah. And he, I just this guy is like a good old country boy. Like the voice, the look. It's just, he's kind of like if what is his name? What's that TV show? I know Julia loves it, and I'm drawing a blank. It's not Perry Mason. Uh, what's the one that has Opie the boy and? Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith. Yeah. yeah. Add add like sixty pounds to Andy Griffith, and you got this motherfucker. But. <laughs> Everything from, like, he's like, he, he talks about, you know, I invented rear engine vehicles. Uh, he's like, I led an attack on Germany. I went from Paris to Berlin in one hour. Like, it's shit that's not even possible. And so this guy just claims to have done it all. And this story very quickly becomes the boy who cried wolf. Yes. Because at first we're led to believe that everybody, he's got like five or six friends that you could tell are kind of like the everyday guys that come in the store and they're not even buying anything. They're just shooting the shit. You got one or two customers, but you could tell he doesn't get a lot of customers because when he finally does, someone's like, it's customers. Like, oh, that's a dirty word, you know, (laughs) because, but these two guys pull up in this car and they ask him to fill it up and they talk amongst themselves and they talk really weird. So we think, okay, they're from out of town or something, but there's a few things they don't know. And they talk to each other, and they're like, this is the guy. And so the whole time, Frisbee is telling them stories. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, somebody could say something, and then I'll jump all over it and make a conversation out of it. He does that, but he's full of shit when he does it. But it's hilarious, (laughs) and it's so enjoyable. It's like, you know he's lying, but you want to hear the whole thing. Like, like, tell me more. (laughs) Then what did you do? He's a pretty good storyteller. He is. He should have a podcast. I listen to (laughs) it, bro. And go around like a Frisbee. But basically... The aliens have been listening. So these two guys in the cars are, are from another world, That's and they're there to capture one human species, one specimen, and preserve him. And why not him? Because he's like he has thirteen degrees at thirteen different major universities, and he's done all these. Of course, he's never done any of these things, but they believe it. They don't know what a, a lie or the truth means. They're just like you yeah. say it; it must be true. So, long story short, they leave, and. He's closing up the store. It's nighttime. He's by himself. He hears voices, and it's their voices, but they're nowhere to be found. 
And they're like, come take a walk. Meet us down here. We'll show you what's up. And he's like, no, I got to get home for supper. Like, this ain't me. So they whisk him away. They pull him through the air, and he lands right next to their UFO. And they're like, are you impressed? And he's like, this hunk of junk. And it's just <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Well, he got, made something better yeah, than this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, General Ford called me into his office, and in 48 hours, <laughs> it's just it's so enjoyable because the character sells it really well. Oh, he does, for sure. But they pull him on the spaceship, and they he's if he hadn't figured it out by now, it's like he's never going to figure it out. It's just like, dude, obviously they're from another world. This is a UFO. Things ain't good. You're on their spaceship. They're capturing you. He goes to swing at one of them, and they look like us, Renee. Like, they're in suits, and they're... He punches one and punches the face off. Dude, <laughs> I was so excited because I was... I'm very used to it just looking like us, and it is what it is. You know, yeah, very yeah. like the day the Earth stood still. Okay, cool, whatever. No, we had a straight-up alien mask underneath. It looked fantastic. I love the look at Hello Mole People. Like, I'm in. <laughs> but th- he finds out that they're going to kidnap him. And he's like, well, if I'm stuck here, can I at least be comfortable? And they're like, yeah, do your thing. He pulls out his harmonica because why not? Am I saying that right? Harmonica? It's, har- <laughs> it's harmonica, harmonica, right? Yeah. Damn. Anyways, sorry, Ed. <laughs> but he, he pulls out his harmonica and he plays it. We'll come to find out the sound of the harmonica creates basically a disturbance in the aliens' heads, and it starts to, like, fuck them up. And so he realizes it, so he keeps playing, and that's how he's able to escape. And so he escapes them, and he goes back to his convenience store, only to find out that all his friends throw a surprise birthday party for him. And they're like, tell us a story. And he's like, i tell you, where were you right now? He's like, I got kidnapped by aliens. And they're like, oh, tell us more. He's like, I'm serious. I played this harmonica, and it saved my life. And like didn't I tell you he's the bee's knees but it's just a feel good story and I really like the twist of it because I'm like that's something they can make today yeah. but um, it's fun like before man how, so. uh, you know he has good buddies because they were still his good friends yeah, even after you kind of think they're mocking him at first yeah. but you're like whatever but it's cool that they're just his buds and yeah. I mean they want to hear him talk <laughs> hopefully like my audience hi <laughs> cool man we're in that top three category what do you got for number three all right, my number three is from season one, episode twenty-two. The monsters are due on Maple Street, so it's it's pretty much a little peaceful neighborhood in the suburbs. That's where I would live. <laughs> and then they notice that uh, crazy stuff is going on. They uh, they hear something. They think it's like an airplane or something like that, but it's it's not because a uh, little kid. I guess hears voices and he says the monsters are telling us that there's somebody here to keep an eye on us, to spy on us. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody starts going crazy. Like, they, oh, this guy is a traitor. This guy is a traitor. He's. Are they accusing each other of being monsters? All, or? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Aliens are. And they, you know, they start getting paranoid, obviously, uh, with not, not knowing what the heck is going on. And then. Uh, they start beating each other up. Well, they don't really beat up each other up, but they burn one of the houses down, <laughs> which is ridiculous. And there's like one person that's trying to calm everybody down. Like it's, he's been here forever. How can he be one of these people? Right. And uh, everybody in this one neighborhood, minus you know one person, they're, they're all gonna riot and do all this crazy stuff. But. Uh, the conversations that all the people have and it's just ridiculous. Uh, Can I be honest with you? 
Yeah. It was so hard not to put that episode on my list originally. Really? When I was making my top five, I remembered this, and it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to make my list. It, obviously, this one did not make my list, but... It was in the original, like when I said I had wrote down like 20 out of the what <laughs> yeah. X amount of numbers there are, this was one of them, and it even made it down to like the 10. I was like, man, and but it just slightly didn't make it, because it is really cool to watch the chaos and the rioting but amongst the neighbors, because all their electronics are shutting down, yeah, and it kind of presents it's... what life is like if... You didn't. I mean, shit. What's the world like if the internet shuts down? One, I don't get podcast downloads. That sucks. No cars. Two, no anything. Right, like that. man. That's some real world shit. If you think about it, that's like terrorism on a whole other level. Yeah, for sure. From aliens and, <laughs> or monsters. And you know, they actually. I know we're just going to talk about the the 1950s one, but they remade it in the 2000s. Cool. I'll check I mean, it, out. it wasn't as good as this one in my opinion yeah. and they actually had some big name actors in it that'll be worth it 2000 but uh it, it just wasn't written as well what do you like the most about this episode i mean it's top three for you right um just the situation like okay what how would you act in the, like would you be doing this to one of your neighbors somebody you've known for years right it's a character study for sure and it's i don't know it's and that's crazy that there was only one guy that was like, no, we need to chill. We right, can everyone this out. else was panicked. Yeah, but everybody went up against, went against him. They rioted and, and they shot a man. They killed yeah, one of their they, neighbors. They did. Oh. Yeah, because yeah, remember he's right. he's like, I'm oh, gonna go. Got that. Yeah, he goes. He's like, I'm gonna check the other street and see if they got power. And then when they, when he comes back. They have a shotgun, and they just see him walking in the dark. Like, it's one of the monsters, and they shoot him. And it's just That's like, right. no, nope, you killed the neighbor. That. And it was, it's all because of the paranoia. It's all. Guess, and that's, uh, that's why I said it's real world shit, man. Yeah, for sure. That's, I like, this is a situation like that is one of the reasons why I liked this. Because, like, what would you do in this situation? Would you be one of the guys riding, or would you try to be the calm one about it? So if I didn't have no electricity, what would I do? Yeah. Probably read a book. <laughs> if only everybody else was like that, right? Shit, I don't know, man. That means no AC. Whew. Oh, that would be horrible. Did they have Especially air conditioning in-, in homes in the 50s? No, but then again, it's it like wasn't as, units, as ridiculously hot it is now. You don't know. <laughs> but hey, real quick, before we stop talking about it, tell us about the end of the episode. What happened? Like, what's the reveal? Oh, so you find out at the very end that uh, it is aliens that is messing with everything. They're testing out a, uh, I guess a weapon, or I don't know what it is exactly, but they're testing out what would happen in a situation like that. Yeah, don't they even say, like, they, they, the one guy who does it's telling the other guy, see, if you take away this stuff from them, it, you know, and we'll do it. There's a every, what does he say? He's like, there's a Maple Street in every town or something. Yes, yes. And it made me think of... Um, a Nightmare in Elm Street 6 where he's like, every town has an Elm Street. I was like, oh, I like it a lot. It was uh, so good, right? It is good. All these, like I said, every episode from all these seasons are great. That's why I'm surprised not a lot of people, especially our age, don't like it. They just got to hear this episode. They, you know, No one's going to tell them about it. They don't know. But, uh, all right, man. Well... Let me tell you about my number three, because my number three states that logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. I know it's already been brought up, but I got to give it more love. My number three is 
The Obsolete Man, Season 2, Episode 29. I was holding back the whole time. I wanted you to, to be able to have your spotlight, man, and I was trying to trying to stay out of your limelight. Oh, I'm but sure it, I missed out It's my turn. Dude, this is, this is such a fantastic episode with the main character, uh, the obsolete character in question is Mr. Wordsworth. Love yes, the name. Uh, yes. He's a librarian. Wordsworth. I get it, right? Uh, as you mentioned, played by Burgess Meredith, who, if you don't know Burgess Meredith, you do. He was the penguin in the 1966 Batman TV show. <laughs> and he's in Rocky. Like, you've seen him. I love a story about a man at a time. Because a lot of times, I feel I'm that guy. You know, you, yeah, you too. Yeah. Like, we love the old stuff, right? But yeah, my favorite sure. movie is Casablanca, 42. I don't know anybody else who's, you know, 39, 40 years old that loves Casablanca. That's me. But in this episode, not only is he a man at a time, he's considered like a ghost from another time because in this future, like we mentioned, there's no God, but also there's no need for books and supposedly all proven facts are false, making the librarian obsolete. And as we mentioned, the chancellor assigns him the, you know, you're going to die. How do you want to die? And we talked about a hitman. What we yeah. didn't reveal was it was a bomb. He's like, I want to die in my room, but I want it to be televised. So when the chancellor shows up with him and he dummies the lock, so when the chancellor closes the door, he's essentially locked in with him. Yeah. And I'm a man of God. It's so powerful because Mr. Wordsworth really brings it home for me when he talks about, you know, he pulls his Bible out and he's like, yeah, I'm waiting yeah. to die. I'm just going to sit here and read my Bible. And he's had to hide his Bible, right? Because you can't that's have right. that, okay? Yeah, like, there's no books. It's illegal. Especially that. That's like a yeah. times two. And the chancellor, is he's putting on a front. He's like, the state is not going to let me die. And Mr. Wordsworth's like, you think the state's going to come in here and prove their, <laughs> air quote, less of a man? You know, I don't know how else to say that right now. But yeah. basically, they're not going to show their weakness, I guess is the phrase I'm trying to use. But... It, like you said, it turns around, it flips on him because he prays to God and begs for his life. And when he does that, Mr. Wordsworth, I don't know if he knows. It's probably both. He knows, like, ha I got him. But I think it was also like, now you can go, man. Like, you found God. Good. Yeah. You recognize the truth? Go. And the chancellor runs out, and the bomb goes off. I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think he was going to die. And then Mr. Wordsworth, his whole room blows up, and we see the debris come down the stairs. And the chancellor goes back, and like you said, because he was on camera begging God for his life, they're like, you're obsolete. And, dude, they, like, throw him on the table and pull him down. And though they don't focus on it, I almost like to pretend they ripped him apart. Because they, they all gathered around yeah, like a fucking was, zombie apocalypse. On. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I did. But one thing I want to say for my Star Trek people out there, I want to paint this picture <laughs> for you. So the guy, the, the way the Chancellor is, you know, he's up on that high throne. Yeah, yeah. I was getting some straight up vibes of Q from Next Generation on Encounter at Farpoint when he basically says that humanity is obsolete. I was getting those vibes, and so I couldn't help but wonder if, you know, 19, I think 87 or whatever, Next Gen had pulled from this. <laughs> and that, you know, I just, yeah. it's so good. But I'm glad that it was your number five. I don't know if we'll have more crossover, but I'm so happy, if not, that it was at least that one, because that is one of the best episodes. And, you know, I, I didn't even mention it, like, now that you were talking about it, but uh, I do like how, I mean, not everybody, like, was, that was watching probably even noticed but I'm sure some did like how he proved that the state was wrong right which is 
it's fantastic. It is. It's good writing. It's fantastic. Oh yeah. <laughs> but of course, you know, everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, that's not right." Yeah. And well, so, I mean, at the end of the day, Burgess Meredith's character was obsolete. But he proved a point, and he, he probably got it out to other people watching. And isn't that kind of what the Christian? What isn't it? What it's all about, man? Yeah, protesting yeah. your your faith. So, anyways, I love it. You love it. Let's move on. What do you got for number two? My number two is from season five, episode twenty-five, "The Masks." I rewatched this not too long ago, and yeah, this definitely as this this was uh, is this and my number one. Like I was, I couldn't decide which one is which because I mean these episodes are in my eyes at least were great um so in this episode it starts off with an older dying man he invites his his family his daughter her uh, husband and her two kids to come join him for Mardi Gras like have a party do you think they were in Louisiana because they looked outside and there was Mardi Gras on the streets, yeah. so I would assume. Okay, yeah, cool. I think it was. I, you want to get a look sure at Louisiana in the 1950s? <laughs> Check out this episode. Go ahead. So he, uh, <laughs> he's you know he being a rich guy, uh, and dying. Yeah. Uh, of course, the family's gonna be like, "Oh, I'm gonna inherit all this money." Oh yeah. So uh, he pretty much made them wear a mask that was the quote unquote opposite of their personality. Right. Um, so if they if they're able to wear this until midnight, they can keep his inheritance. If if they don't, they're gonna get cut off. Each you know, the four masks, the opposites, the his daughter was uh like a coward. Or not not a coward, but you know, it's well, the whole time, the daughter's like, it's vanity, right? Because yeah. she's always in the mirror brushing her hair. She wants to go out no, with that's the boy. The, that's the granddaughter. Oh, that's, that's the, the granddaughter. granddaughter. Right, right. That's what I was thinking about. You're talking about so the, the, his, his daughter. His daughter, yeah. Oh, okay. The so wife, she, yeah. she's always feeling, saying like she's sick or you know something's wrong with her. He's dying, and she's talking about her health. Yes, exactly. It's Biatch. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave her the that mask, the coward mask. Uh, the son-in-law, he was always like, so is he going to die? Is he going to die? When's he going to die? So he can, you know, get the money, get the inheritance. Right. So he gets the, the greedy mask. Well, these masks are fantastic. I, I wish I could show you guys how crazy these were. Renee's wearing one right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I see how it is. Um, Did it? Sh- the uh, the grandson had a uh, like a buffoonish mask. You know, right. Kind of looked like an ape in a way. And then uh, the granddaughter was the. The, the, yeah, the, the vanity, the vanity yeah. one, and uh, she had a big old nose. And stuff. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, These masks always reminded me of like the laugh now, cry later, but the cry later face. You know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about? Where they're no, sad, yeah, sure. like there's overextended wrinkles, the eye holes are cut, but it's just wild yeah. looking. And then uh, look like some garbage pill kids in this movie. I mean, they're pretty much begging them, like, "Hey, can we take these masks off now? Can we take these masks off now?" And he's like, it's not midnight yet. Oh, I forgot. He had the uh, the death mask. Dude, his mask was legit. It was uh, a skeleton. It was a skull. It was so It looked nice, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And uh, I can't believe I forgot that earlier. But anyways. That's okay. Um, I would have said it. <laughs> <laughs> so they keep asking him. And finally, midnight hits. And uh, he passes away. 
Yeah, he dies at midnight, like at stroke midnight. at midnight. That's just so crazy. Well, finally he's like, fine, you can take him off. And then he that's when he dies. And yeah. then they, they finally take the masks off. And they look like they're masks. Yeah, like one by one it's revealed that their faces are now the masks. And it's it, the way they show it, like in... Oh, it's just so good. Because it's revealed one by yeah, one. I remember the camera trick because one of them reveals it, and if I'm not mistaken, the others see it, but we don't see it yet. Then the camera pans around because they look in the mirror, and it's like, oh, my God. But yeah. it doesn't look exactly like the mask, but it looks enough like the mask to make them still look human. It's weird. It's, oh, man. I, the way they did it, it was great. The, the makeup was fantastic. And it, in the long run, well, the, the, they get what they want, but... They have. Uh, they're not happy yeah, anymore. They're not happy because it, it's that proven point that money can't buy happiness. But do you think can, it can buy another face? Nowadays, yeah. In Face Off, it can. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the mask is a cool one, man. And that that was season five, right? Yeah, that was season five. Yeah, there's some there's some good ones in season five, and that one I do remember pretty well because the twist is pretty great. Oh, I, so did you know the um, his daughter, the mom of it? Did you recognize her from anything? Uh, no. Okay, so she actually, um, the, her name's Emily, right? But the actress played Norma Bates in the Psycho movies. Oh! How cool is that? What? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And, like, in all of them. Like, uh, you know, that's awesome. With the ones with Anthony Perkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That, she was I the voice and the mom, and then played the, like, flashbacks and stuff. That's so mom. good. Yeah, so, that a little connection it. there from yeah, the 50 to 60s. <laughs> she's in Twilight Zone, and she's in Alfred Hitchcock. How cool is that? Yeah, for sure. That was your number two, huh? That was my number two. Man, as much as you love that, I can't believe you're going to have something you love even more. <laughs> but before we get there, let's talk about my number two. Because, man, going in, I kind of I, I knew what my number one was going to be. But then I challenged it. And there's an episode that I have totally fallen in love with. I've watched it so many times. And it just it makes my heart happy. And it's a total whodunit episode. It's about a group of people who get off a bus and they get stranded in a diner. It's season two, episode 28, Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up? <laughs> and I can't help but wonder if that's like a, Will the Real Slim Shady Please Stand Up? He had to pull from that. That's amazing. <laughs> but, let me, okay. The passengers in this diner are all from a bus. And there's essentially six of them. Two state troopers come in and they're like, Can we see your manifest? He's like, I don't have a manifest. I just know how many people got on. They're like, how many people got on? And he's like, six. And they're like, but there's seven people here. And all of a sudden, the whole premise of the episode is somebody in there is not who they say they are. It's a total like invasion of the body snatchers type vibe. And I love it, man. So there's like an interrogation going on. There's questions where it's like, okay, if you're not a Martian, tell me who won the World Series. And, you know, there's two couples in there. You have like an older couple and you have a younger couple. Yeah. And they're pretty much on the level, except one of them, like, if you think of the younger couple, she's like, I thought you had a mole on your chin. And he's like, I never had a mole. So there's suspicions flying around. Yeah, there's, yeah. And then the older couple, 
there, he's like, don't look at me like that. You think been married for 23 years, you know I was human or something like that. And it's so great. And then you have this one guy. He he seems to be like an older business guy. He kind of wears his coat on there without putting his arms in his sleeves. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. I got to be in Boston in the morning. You know, <laughs> he, He's a total douche, to be honest, the whole time. Yeah, no, you yeah, can tell this guy's world was on a silver platter because he's trying to command everybody what to do. Well, the reality is the reason they're stranded is because it's snowing outside. And in the beginning of the episode, I didn't mention, but something flew overhead. But we don't know what it is. But apparently it crashed in the pond. And there's footsteps from the pond to the diner, meaning, hey, if a UFO crashed, a Martian walked in here. Yeah. And so the excuse is, like, how do you not know? Like, you... (laughs) You're the bus driver. These are there's only six people, seven now. But here, how do you not know? And he's like, well, it's dark outside. The snow's blowing around. We're covering our faces, and so you kind of start to buy into it. You're like, okay, yeah. I mean, if it's quick, sure. I mean, I when I get on an airplane, I don't count the passengers, right? That's not <laughs> yeah. my job. You know what I mean? And so, but what I love is there's this one guy. He's my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a Looney Tune dude, yeah. and he has the look too. He was actually in an episode of Home Improvement. I seen it. It blew my mind. So I'm oh, like, really? that's the dude from the. Yeah, you'll have to check it out. <laughs> But he's got, like, one eye going this way, one eye going that way. He has this real funny voice with it, but he sells it. He's one of the greatest characters probably in all Twilight Zone. Because, (laughs) But the fucking thing is, is, like, he's joking, but he's kind of right. He's like... You tell you know, why don't you look under their coats, check for wings? You know, and he's saying this, but yeah, if it's a Martian, go look for it. Maybe they got like you know body parts or different the things. Yeah, you never like know, that. right? Yeah, yeah, I remember. But that. Uh, it's really cool because in the episode, the cops, the state troopers, they're like, this is kind of weird, but they're kind of on the fritz. You know, they did something crashed in the lake something walked over here there's a miscount so maybe there's a Martian here like you almost suspend disbelief you're like okay they really believe it's there but do they really you know what I mean yeah for sure but what happens is all of a sudden to convince it things start happening so like the lights flicker the salt shakers explode the jukebox turn on and off like things that you can't explain are happening so I'm like okay we're buying into the alien now and so eventually they get a phone call and it's just like hey the bridge has been checked out by the what is it, local engineer. It's, yeah, safe. it's safe. And so they yeah. all leave, and they're like, good riddance, you know. And the police leave. Everybody leaves. And all of a sudden, we get a shadow of a character coming back a few minutes later. Who knows? Across the snow. We don't know who it is until then. it kind of pans up. We see the feet and the legs and everything. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. This character sits down and orders a coffee. And earlier, we heard this character had already had 14 cups of coffee. So this character is having his 15 cups of coffee. I didn't catch that. Uh Uh-huh. I did not catch that. And it's revealed it's the businessman who's a dick the whole time. And it makes sense because the whole time in the episode, he's the instigator, the antagonizer. He's telling, well, it's probably this person. It could be this person, you know. Yeah. Basically always pushing blame away from him. Yep. And it's revealed it's him because he has a third arm. (laughs) <laughs> and it was played so good because he's sitting there and he goes to pull out his cigarette and his third arm comes out and lights it. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't, ex- much like the Frisbee episode, I took it for face value and they showed me more. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And I love it because he's like, love this coffee and these cigarettes. What do you call cigarettes? Yeah, these are, these are great. And then he's like, yeah. I think that uh, this is going to be really good. People from Mars, meaning he's a Martian. You know, even we we say Martians and aliens without really thinking about it. But a Martian is a character from Mars. Like yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Are going to come here and colonize. And the the chef, the cook guy, who's been totally awesome this whole time, he's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. 
And then he takes his hat off, and the hat he's wearing is like that old 1950s diner, like you went to fucking Steak and Shake or something. <laughs> he takes his hat off, and he was concealing a third eye. He's got an eye on his forehead, and he's like, because we're from Venus, and we're already here. Your ship from Mars has been intercepted. And I'm like, two twists in this episode, and I love sci-fi, so when I get a healthy dose of it like this, something that... Not only was it not expected, it was completely, like, unpredicted. Like, what? We got two twists in here, but it's done so well. And if season four had hour episodes, I feel like I could have probably watched an hour of this one because the whodunit value, the mystery, the detective yeah, on it so, yeah, was yeah, done so great. well. So my number two, bro, is will the real Martian please stand up? What do you think about it? it is, yeah, it's definitely a great... And I remember watching it recently. I don't think I watched it beforehand, though. I don't. I don't remember that episode. But I, when I watched it recently, oh man, it was such a great ending. It was definitely one of the top. Yeah. Well, well, uh, I would say five, but uh, you know, <laughs> that's cool, man. So that's my number two, which means we only have one left. I can't wait to find out. Tell the world what is your favorite episode of the Twilight Zone. So my number one is a little similar. To one of the other ones that I had. But it's still fantastic. That's your favorite word. <laughs> it is. Uh, especially with Twilight Zone. It's okay. That whole... Don't say it. <laughs> okay. <fine. laughs> all right. All right. You can say what you want. Dude. <laughs> but the... Uh, it's from season three, episode three. The Shelter. Oh, I know this one. Okay. Um, So it's during the Cold War. You know, the bombs and everything. Uh, one of the characters has a shelter in their basement. I'm still and, mad we uh, don't have basements here. Yeah, we sure. That's, right. it is, I would like to have one, but, you know, whatever. Attics is all we get. I am not putting a shelter in the attic. It's too hot. <laughs> and this guy was telling... <laughs> it is too hot, for sure. But in this guy, the guy that made the shelter, was warned everybody in his neighborhood... That they should build a shelter in case something happens. Right, because you know it takes a long time to do that. So this Not has been a sure. task he's been doing for probably years. Years, yeah. And he, they they talk about it. I think it was like two, three years. I think. Well, yeah, because in mistaken. that, if I'm not mistaken, in that we both said that in that episode, aren't they like they mimic him throughout the time of you know having the shelter and building the shelter? Because yeah. aren't they celebrating his birthday yes. in the beginning? Yeah, okay. they're having they're having a birthday party. For He's him. a doctor or something. They're like, oh, he brought people and, uh, into this world. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so they hear sirens go off, and of course they all go their separate ways. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, don't they hear something over the radio? Yeah, because in that episode. I remember one the little kid runs in the room. He's like, I was watching TV, and it turned off. But right before it turned off, it said, turn on the radio. Yeah, that's right, that's and right. I guess the, I would assume they have a specific emergency channel radio yeah, station. Yeah. But they tune in, and that's when they hear what's going on. Yeah, they hear what's going on. And uh, they all take their separate ways. You know, When they hear shit hits the fan, they're out. That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, everybody gets their water, their food, whatever it is they need. And uh, at least the person that has... The, uh, the the birthday guy, yeah. I can't remember the names. I should have. <laughs> it's all uh, right, bro. But uh, he gets all the water. Has his son get more water and food and they Doctor Bill Stockton. <laughs> I just looked it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> they go down to the basement and uh, they go into their shelter and they go back because I think they forgot something. And uh, 
he goes into the kitchen, and one of his neighbors is at the door knocking. Oh, you knew that was coming. Like, hey, uh, let us let us get into your shelter. Let us get into your shelter. We won't take that much room. Yeah, we won't take that much room. <laughs> He's like, well, it's only built for three people, for me, my wife, and my son. That's it. Yeah. There's only enough oxygen. It can only hold for oxygen for three people. Yeah. And I can only ha- have enough food and water for three people. Yeah. Because it was built for them, for me specifically. And uh, he's like, no, we'll, we'll, we won't take that much room at all. And, and uh, of course, I think they were best friends. And uh, he's like, no, I'm sorry, I can't. I told you you should have done this years ago. No, well, I had too much. Like, no, no, I, I got to go. I got to leave. I got to take care of my kids and do all this stuff. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he goes and he closes the door on his best bud. And... Uh, his best bud has to leave, and what, what do you know? Another one of the yeah, people like, that was at his party. One way out, one way in. in. The... He's like, no, he won't let you in. He's not. There's only room for three. And then uh, another person from the neighborhood comes in and does the same thing. All these are people who were in the beginning at the dinner party. Yeah, they're all so we've buddies. seen them all. Yeah, they're all friends. They're all friends, <laughs> which is crazy. And then uh, they start fighting each other. Because they want, they both, they all want to go into and, the And uh, you mean shelter. physically, there's some fists yeah, they get thrown. It's like shit. Fists. Yeah, they yeah. start fighting. And then they, one of them is not American, I believe. Yeah, the Hispanic guy. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Hispanic. And he gets made fun of. He's called names. Which is crazy because Twilight Zone, much like original Star Trek, always tried to, I think, capitalize and push the envelope of equality and do things. In this episode, they like racism is a bitch, and I think they specifically did that to show kind of the ugliness of people, like yeah. the, like who you are on the inside. You know what I mean? Yep. Like these people are, like you said, they're like great friends. And then all of a sudden, shit hits the fan, and you go there. Like really? Yeah, it's <sighs> like bro, not to point, but I'm white and you're Hispanic. Here we are, great friends, having yep. this conversation about that's some bullshit. <laughs> that is, I didn't. But you I, know yeah, what? I'm that dude crazy. who um, that he hit the Hispanic guy was a badass, bro. Because you know what? He didn't fucking return those punches. He was just like... Yeah, he... He, he was there with his wife, and he couldn't believe it. He's yeah, like... Not only did he not do that, he didn't... Uh, he, didn't he didn't downplay even, the other exactly. guy. Exactly. He didn't call him names or nothing like that. He was... Like, he got riled up because he was defending himself, but one of the other neighbors comes in, and they're gonna, like, batter ram the door. And he yep. wasn't He wasn't with it, though, right? He was just like, what the fuck? No, nah, he, he was in the back. He was He didn't do anything, but he was still part of the, part of the crowd, unfortunately. But yeah, that, that's what happens. They they get a ram, and they bash the door down. Yeah. And like, what was the point of that? Now nobody right. is able Nobody to, is going to be safe. Nobody's going to be safe. Exactly. So the, you just ruined one family. Like, right. they're, they're Your sheltered. friend. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I don't know how. Looking like Black Friday in this motherfucker, bro. <laughs> and then uh, at, the, at the very end of the episode, you find out that. It's it's not gonna happen. There's no bombs going gonna gonna drop or anything like that. Yeah, they thought it was like they didn't know what it was, and it's revealed it was a satellite or something. Yeah, yeah, and um, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy that it was the, the doctor. Yeah, he's very upset with everybody. Yeah, they, true they, colors, bro. They uh, not only did they ruin his shelter, they. They messed up his kitchen too. Oh yeah, they tore his house apart. Yeah, they they uh, whole the table was turned over when he went upstairs. They saw everything was destroyed. 
the I think the no, I think the door was not broken. Was it not? for the shelter or for, for the, the for the for the uh, for the for his kitchen? The kitchen. Oh, I don't know. I just remember getting like tables were flipped over, yeah. dishes were broken. Basically, the place where we had the birthday party, all that was <clears> destroyed. And uh, and then they were like, "Oh, everything's cool. Yeah, you forgive us, right? Play it, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're, I was just good. mad. <laughs> like, like, how could you get over something like that? Like, yeah, no, it's too late. That is one of the things I liked about that episode. This is like what what I liked with monsters uh, on, on Maple, Maple Street, Street. Yeah, were like, what would we do in these situations? I w- I would hope that. Uh, I don't act like a fool. I'd hope you build a shelter so we can come over, bro. <laughs> help. Need help now. Bro, but, you, uh, you know what my favorite part is about that episode? Is the very that? end when the doctor walks out because he's in a sense of disbelief at everything. And I remember he was like, we were spared a bomb tonight, but I wonder if we weren't destroyed even oh, without was, it. Yeah, and I was like, so that good. is poetry. That like I remember fantastic. that. Yes. Because I'm like, I'm going to use that one day, but hopefully I don't have up. to. I had to, bro. Yeah, was, uh, yeah. I looked up. That, that line was fantastic. Because it's, it's the nail in the head, right? It's just like, <laughs> like we did this to ourselves. Yeah. Even without the bomb. Because things will never be the same now. And it's just like, damn. Yeah, that's for sure. As you can tell, I... <laughs> Like they're all the, all the, uh, my pretty much my top four are uh, have a similar like what would you do in this situation? I noticed so, that yeah I was just like oh Renee's a thinker <laughs> over here I like it, and I gotta say I'm shocked too because you know as much as you and I really bond over horror you did not focus on the straight horror episodes you were very story driven which yeah. I totally appreciate because as I mentioned like that's where it's at for me is a good story. Yes, for you know I, I was. It got replaced by uh, my number four. The Changing the, of the Guard? Cha- yeah, Changing of the Guard. I was going to add Eye of the Beholder on there. Oh, yeah, that's a big uh, one. It's, but the, the the message in that one, I'm right. like, I just, uh, I got to do it. I got to, this. That's I, a cool thing, too, because when you Google or look up or watch YouTube of Best Twilight Zone episodes, you get a lot of the same ones. And some of them might be on our list, but a lot of them aren't because... Everybody has their own favorites, but a lot of the quintessential ones we're probably not talking about today. Yeah. Which, spoiler, (laughs) my number one, guess what? If you don't know me, you probably don't know. And that's going to be really exciting because I want the world to watch this episode. You ready for this, man? Yeah, let me know. Let me know. What's that? My favorite episode of Twilight Zone. It's one that's not real popular. It's one that's lighthearted, but it tells a compelling and compassionate story. I'm trying to ease it in. So. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it features a man who is quite fed up with his current life and appears to be miserable until he's able to tune into his past and remember the one who got away. It's from season two, episode 20. It's static. And so... Uh, that, that was a good episode. I remember watching this one. Just it sounded cool. And I was floored by it. Because I really related to the main character of this. And I'll get into reasons why. It's not for the exact same reason, but there's parallels. Mm -hmm. And so there's many reasons why I love this episode. And I'll try to name as many as I can. But I've already mentioned, like, for starters, I love a good story. And I find this story to be a good example of what Twilight Zone is or can represent. It's not straight sci-fi all the time. It's not straight horror. It's 
a good story that makes you think outside the box. And that's why I love Twilight Zone is you always get an outside-the-box story. When a lot of people think of it, I'm willing to bet that they Twilight Zone has an unhappy or twist ending. And the cool thing is you get a twist ending, but it's very happy, yeah. which is really different, okay? Unless... You're number four. We got something in common. We like a happy ending. <laughs> Did it? Okay. <I'll laughs> but this one has a very happy twist ending, and there's an antique radio. <laughs> I love vintage electronics. Like <laughs> yeah, that. That stood out yeah. to me after I saw this episode. Probably 2016, 2015, when I first really started getting into Twilight Zone, I went and bought an antique radio. Straight up because of this oh, episode, yeah. I was like, I want one. I didn't get the same type, but I got one, and yeah. it, it gave me those vibes, man. Another one is, like, like also, Julie and I love to go to antique malls. Like, we do that. Like, antiques is my gig, man. Well, yeah, Especially with electronics. I've, I've, I've like, TVs and radios. Yeah. Shit looks cool, man. It, it does. I've seen this elevator that was from 1927. I almost bought it, but where am I going to put it? <laughs> <laughs> we love to go and get lost in another time period. And that's something yeah. that's very much of what yeah. Twilight Zone is. But what really makes it fun for me, what's icing on the cake, something you may not know about me, Renee, is I'm a huge Tommy Dorsey fan. So this episode features Getting Sentimental Over You, which is a great song by Tommy Dorsey. Like, I was sold. I discovered Tommy Dorsey a little bit from this episode, but from other classic movies of the 30s that I watched, like Fred Astaire, you know, Gene Kelly later on. And so a lot of those song and dance movies had Tommy Dorsey. And so I'm telling a 100% true story. When I bought that radio, about two hours before, I bought a massive pack of cassette tapes. And Tommy Dorsey was in there. Oh, yeah? So, I was able to fucking recreate this episode, dude, on my own, That's and it was in, it was incredible. And you know, Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra, so much just good, great music. And yeah, for sure. Like I said, I'm very happy. I don't suffer from the same syndrome of the one who got away, but I do know what it feels like to wish that I could go back in time and do some things differently. And that's what he does. Is his name is Ed. And Mr. Lindsay, Ed Lindsay, and he lives in this house. What do they call those? Where like a whole bunch of people live? It's not like a, half- a it's not, not not even really a group home, but that's but that's, that's what, it, what is. it is. That's yeah. what it is. Is is a group of elderly people live there, and it's almost you know it's like a college dorm. They all have a room. You know what yeah. I mean? And they're all sitting around watching TV, and he wants to play cards. He wants to play checkers. Like everybody's brain is getting melted by the TV tube. And he remembers a simpler time of the radio where that was the real TV. And so he goes in the basement and he gets this radio. And the funny thing is he always turns the knob and it plays static. And then he tunes into Tommy Dorsey or he hears (laughs) like comedy things of the hour. He hears like Roosevelt give a speech and you're thinking, wait a minute, that's not current. You know, even though this is Twilight Zone, that's the 50s, yeah. they're still picking up programs of the 20s and 30s, yes. right? That's right. That's right. And he tries to tell everybody about it, and they're like, that can't be live. Tommy Dorsey's dead. So he tries to prove it. He brings people. Every time he brings people to his room, though, the radio plays nothing but static. static. Yeah. Yes. That's why it's called <laughs> static. But every time they leave, it tunes in. He hears it. So it's like only for him. Now, it's really cool because also in this group of people is a doctor, and he kind of seems to be like a like a what do you call it, like a therapist or a psychologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he lets Mr. Lindsay tell his stories and tries to let Mr. Lindsay prove it, but almost like a self-diagnosis that it's okay, Ed, like it'll play and I believe you. Maybe one day we'll hear it. And there's a woman in there named Vinny and she's like, "Do you think he hears it?" And he goes, "I think he thinks he does." But no one else has been able to hear it. And 
this angry old man only gets happy when he hears these episodes. And we don't know why. It Maybe we think of it's a simpler time. It's from his younger days, yeah. whatever the case is. There's even a point where they think he's going crazy so much that they sell his radio when he's gone. <laughs> and he has to go to, down to the store and buy it back. And he does. And he's like, it better fucking work. You know, he takes it home <laughs> yeah. and, you know, he's tuning it. And we get static and eventually it works. And then it's revealed at the end of the episode the reason that he's so much happier when he listens to it is because he used to listen to it with his what should have been wife who was revealed to be the character of Vinny. They were together and they used that was their song and they used to listen to those episodes. And I'm like, that's such a fucking heartfelt moment. They were supposed to get married at a time. Well, you know, they didn't live in this house or whatever, this halfway house, whatever you fucking call it, boarding home. They were going to have a place of their own. They were going to be together. They were going to be married, but his mom was sick, so they kept pushing it off. And eventually, they got so old that he became a bachelor, set in his ways. Like he, I don't want to say he fell out of love, but he, he, for lack of a better term, he became a grumpy old man. Yeah. Yep. And love just went away, or at least so she thought. But what happened is every time that it was going to be what would have been their anniversary, those memories come flooding back. And he wants to be who they once were. And I'm like, dude, that's such a great story. And the cool thing is the way the episode ends is he finally tunes it back. And we hear knocking on the door. He's like, Vinny, come check it out. Because he wants her to hear it. When she comes to the door, she's young. And when the camera pans over, he's young. And the two embrace each other. And the music's playing. And I like to think, bro, they traveled back in time. Like, through the, we see either what he sees through his eyes or it really happened. Who knows? But they're together, and yeah. it's just lovely. And I just, it put a big smile on my face because I thought it was a really well written story. It, yeah, it definitely was. It definitely was. They actually, they start dancing too, don't they? It, they dance well, they embrace it? and maybe, but the camera pans away at I'm some point. Sure. It probably leaves with that idea, but. I want to ask you a question about this. So the episode's called Static, and we know why, right? Because it's tuning in, and everybody hears nothing but static. Yeah, yeah. But I want to take it a step further, because I deep dove into this shit. I started thinking about it. You know static might have multiple meanings, okay? Mm-hmm, okay. So okay. static can also mean that you don't take action. You don't do anything. Well, think about him, right? Like, he doesn't make changes in his life to benefit his life. He becomes static. He didn't take action with Vinny and get married. Yeah. Okay? Well, there's the idea of having a static type of mindset. It's a frame of mind, right? Where someone believes that things are the way they are and they can't be changed. Mm. Okay? Okay. There's the obvious static, like the tuning of the radio, where you don't hear nothing being broadcast. But I like to think of this, too. And I know I'm, I'm reaching here, but I'm going for the, I'm swinging for the fucking fences here. It ends when they're finally together and happy, right? Yeah. One would say they're ecstatic. <laughs> they're happy. Think about it. And I think so many layers to this is why I love it so much. And I think static is like anytime you can have a single word, like really makes an episode that's like Jordan Peele and all his movies have one word because yeah. they're fucking great. Well, get out, too, but it's short <laughs> phrases, but it's memorable. And I think static was a great choice for it. But I think it has a multiple meaning. Uh, there's multiple layers to it. See, I didn't even think about that. No, that's, that's the shit that keeps me up fantastic. at night, bro. <laughs> but um, I often go into the Twilight Zone, but it's a- so cool, man. <laughs> and so I'll tell you guys, you know, my favorite episode is Static. If you've never seen Twilight Zone, I don't know if it's one to start out with, but if you like lighthearted stuff and you don't like horror, Mason, if you hear this episode, I'm talking to you. Check that episode out. But what do you think of my number one, man? You oh, like it? it's great. There, you yeah, wish the- it was your number one? <laughs> no, I'm still, I'm still. Mine's still my number one. The Shelter. The Shelter is fantastic, yeah. But it, yeah, definitely. I when I rewatched it, I was like, 
damn. Yeah, there's a lot to it. That's pretty pretty awesome. Pretty good. Uh, the story was great. That one did remind me of another episode, though. Of uh, Don't say season four. No, no, no. Okay. No, I think it was season three. Okay. Of uh, and the old. It just reminded me because the, they were older. So it's about the older people. Was that, it the trade-ins? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Maybe. Is that when they, they become young again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the one. Cool. They well, just start playing like little kids and yeah. get young. Well, and there's Kick the Can, which almost made my list. <laughs> I love that one, too. Uh, that was the that's one. That's probably then. the that's one. That's the one. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's the one. But Cool, man. Well, we won't drag this out longer than it needs to be. But, dude, I appreciate you coming on here. I mean... I like to think you popped your podcast in Cherry. You know, you came on here with me. But if nothing else, even if you never do it again because you're like, oh, I had a good time, but I don't care, you got to be on a Twilight Zone episode podcast. It is one of my favorites. It is my favorite sci-fi show. This is your number one? Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks for, for taking sure. the time oh, to yeah, talk thank you. Twilight Zone. For sure. There you have it. Top five Twilight Zone episodes. What'd you guys think? Man, it was really cool bringing Renee on here for his first podcast ever. And it was cool to talk to somebody about Twilight Zone. I know some of you guys really like that show. Probably got some listeners out there that love this show as much as I do. I know Andy really likes this show a lot. And uh, I'll try to get Ed on board. He's seen a couple. In fact, he thought he knew my number one. But I flipped it on you. Didn't I? Bruh. <laughs> but hey guys, uh, I do want to tell you something that is really cool. I forgot to mention it on the episode, but The Shelter, Five Characters in Search of an Exit, Hocus Pocus and Frisbee, all directed by the same dude. That's a pretty fucking cool resume if you ask me. But uh, yeah, man, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode because I had a lot of fun talking about it and I really, really like this show. I understand it's getting kind of repetitive. Like, Dave, we know you love this show, but it's like... If I could fuck and marry a TV show, short of Julie not being a TV show, love you, babe. But, uh, you know, Star Trek original series, Twilight Zone original series, that's a three-way right there. (laughs) Oh, man, it's getting late and I'm getting kind of loopy, but I'll just end it right here and say this is the last episode of September, so right around the corner, it's spooky season, guys. We're getting into October, and I got some awesome horror stuff coming your way. You guys have a wonderful day, and thank you for listening to the All Things Dave podcast. Mm -hmm.